Prayer can be hard, right? Sometimes it can be hard to pray. Now, there are times in our lives when prayers just seem to flow out of us. Maybe we're going through something, or maybe we're stuck in a situation, or maybe we're just in a place of realization of how thankful we should be for all of our blessings. Tori and I were in Morgantown uh, this, not yesterday, but the uh, Saturday before that, and apparently up there they celebrate St. Patty's Day a long time in advance, right? So that's what they were doing. And it was, you know, it was crazy up there, everybody wearing green, and they had these big gallons of liquid in a, like a milk container. I'm sure it was, you know, all just vitamin water or something like that. But we're coming down this big hill that goes uh, up in through the campus up there, and a car pulls out right in front of us. I, there's no way they saw us at all. I slammed my brakes on. The other car's honking its horn that's coming this way. I was thankful that I didn't hit that car because it was a serious situation. Noah was like, whose fault was that? Because he was ready, I think, to jump on me if it was my fault. But uh, he, was, he was thankful that it wasn't my fault. But we didn't get in an accident that day. And, and the last you know, week or two, I remember that and how kind of scary it was and have thanked God in prayer. And there are times where it's easy to pray. But there are other times that it seems so hard and our hearts and minds are dry and empty. But you're not the only one that struggles with prayer. People of God throughout the Bible were honest about their dry times. Psalm 6, verse 6. David praying, he says, I'm weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with weeping my eyes waste away because of grief. It grows weak because of all of my foes. David's praying in this passage, and it's not easy. And just before this, David says to God, How long, how long, O Lord? Am I going to have to wait here? My bones are in agony. My soul is in anguish. David is not sure how much longer he can hold on. There are times even when we can't form the words as we are trying to pray. And it just won't come out. We only know that we need God and we need to pray, but the words just won't come. Well, you should still pray because God promises that His Holy Spirit will help you pray. It tells us that in Romans 8, 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For do, uh, we do not know how to pray as we ought but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And even when you don't have the words to form, to pray, you can pray because the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and, and comforts up us and helps us. Like we might help a seven-year-old explain why they are crying. The Holy Spirit interprets our prayers and helps us in our weakness. And maybe prayer feels like that sometimes for you. And you, can want, you wonder if you can keep praying or if it's even making a difference. Max Lucado says this. He says, our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. 
Even if you don't have the words, still pray because it's not your prayers, it's God. God can break through a situation and prayer can be part of it. But even if prayer doesn't change the situation, it always changes us. Jesus said, when we pray. It's a given. So keep praying, even when it feels like you're not being heard or it's not working. Jesus gives us a model or a framework for prayer to help us get our prayers off the runway. Sometimes we call it the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. Last week we saw that he warned us against praying repetitive prayers that don't engage our hearts and minds, like the pagan churches of those days might, that pagans might chant and try and make something happen by repetition. But instead of that, Jesus gives us this idea of what prayer looks like and how it might start. And what he shows us here is when you don't know how to start to remember who God is, to start with that. In Matthew 6, 9, he says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. When you don't know how to start, Start with remembering who God is. Now these words don't conjure God up. These words, when poured over and driven deep, remind us of truth. That God is our Father. He's the creator of all things. And He sits outside this present earth and this present time. And He is holy and He is worthy to be praised. So when you are hopeless, start with praise. When you don't have the words, when you're confused, remember who God is. When you don't know what else to say, remind your heart who God is and who you are. And that God is in control. And I am not. If you don't have anything good to pray, start with giving glory to God. When you're listening to lies, Remind yourself of the truth. Why? Because your heart is deceitful, but God is always honest. Your heart will build up this big narrative about how everybody in the world is against you and you'll lash out to them, but God is always honest and he cuts through all of those lies. So remember who God is. Remember who you are and remember who you are to each other. Today, uh, a big thing in our society is questions about God, about the existence of God, questions for God. But in the Old Testament, the people of Israel didn't have any doubt about God's existence as much as they doubted whether or not he was knowable. When Israel was led by a pillar of fire, it was pretty obvious that God was real. But not so obvious that he could be approached. God has never changed, but our understanding of him does, and he reveals more and more about himself. So when Jesus started this prayer, it wouldn't have been the fact that there is a God in heaven that is holy, but rather what would have provoked them is that same God is our father and us his children. 
Now, whether or not you have a good relationship with your father or whether he was unapproachable, our God is holy and hallowed and he is our father. He is set apart. He is different than the rest. God the father is perfect and loving, a tender father to his children. And he is excited to talk to you at the drop of a hat. So whether you've had that good experience with a father or not, God is the perfect father. Parents, have you ever had a situation where your children tried to talk to you while you're thinking or preoccupied or doing something? Noah and I had to get to this place where he would ask me if I'm ready to listen, right? Because he would talk to me and I'd miss the first half of what he said. So now he says, Dad, are you ready to listen? I'm like, all right, hold up, hold up, hold up. Because I'm always thinking. That's all I do. It's just it's going constantly. Dad, are you ready to talk yet? No, no, hold up, son. Okay, now I'm ready. What's up? But we never have to get God's attention or wait till he's ready to listen. He is our father and he is the epitome of a perfect father. So when you don't know what else to pray, pray the best thing that you can. Give glory to God. Remind your heart who he is. We see this played out in the Psalms. And the Psalms are a great place to go if you don't have any words yourself. In Psalm 68, verse 4. Sing to God. Sing praise to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the desert. His name is the Lord. Exalt before him. Father of the fatherless, protector of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. When you pray, start with praise. Lift up his name, the one who brings relief in the desert, the one who is the father of the fatherless protector of the widows. God helps the lonely find a home and set the captives free. That God wants to talk to you. Come into his gates with thanksgiving and praise. And once you remember that he is your all good father that is ready to listen, then you can ask yourself if you're ready to trust him. Are you ready for the all-powerful and all-knowing God to be in control? Have you ever seen a dog fight against the leash, right? Pulling and huffing and choking, and it sounds like he's going to pass out. How many of you ever heard a dog do that? Our dog, Finn, here's a picture of him, has to stop at every mailbox every tree stump to investigate. He likes walks, but he gets so distracted by every smell, every sound, and object. He weighs like eight pounds, but he fights that leash when he sees that neighbor's 150-pound Great Dane, right? Finn will pull so hard on that leash. He wants to protect his family from this gigantic beast. But the one that's in control knows better. It'd be game over instantly. He would be a tic-tac compared to this great Dane. And if somehow Finn broke loose and he had control in that time, 
It would be bad. He doesn't know that the one who's in control knows better and knows what's best. And he is lucky that we don't let him do things his way. Matthew 6.10 says, Your kingdom come. As we pray to our Father in heaven, Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Are you willing to say, God, your way, not my way. Your kingdom come, not my kingdom. Don't forget who he is. God is your all good father. Do you trust him with control or do you have to control and fix every situation? Do you trust him to give you the bread that you need for the day that he has prepared for you? Or are you like Finn, distracted and curious about things that are outside God's will for you? You smell what the world is cooking and you see all the shiny things of this world. But do you believe that God's guiding leash is actually for your benefit? He's not keeping you from something that's good. He's keeping you from something that will hurt you. You see, the thing is, is that God does not impose himself on you. He wants you to choose to stay by him so that he can protect you and love you and care for your needs. Just like the prodigal son was able to leave the father. But there's no reason to leave the father. Do you trust that the kingdom of God that he wants to build is better than the one that you want to build? Do you trust that if he uh, wants it to happen, that he will give you what's necessary to accomplish it? There's two ways to live this life. You can do it your way and end up that you wish you did it God's way, or you could just start doing it God's way. See, ultimately, Jesus is the bread of life. And he is what we need daily. And Augustine said that our hearts will be restless until they find rest in him. Do you trust Jesus, the bread of life, and that in him you can find everything that you need for everlasting joy? But worry hits us hard though, right? We have access to all the bad news in the whole entire world, in our pocket, in our purse, sitting next to us in the pew. If you want bad news, it's out there for you. Wars and corruptions and scandals and brokenness and hunger and disease and famine. And with full access to all this terrible news that we have, every bad thing in the world, it's a wonder that any of us are able to get out of bed in the morning. What will happen if this bill goes through Congress? What if we don't get a raise? What if this offer on the house falls through? What if we don't get everything done? What if this hurricane makes landfall? What if the stock market dips? What about my retirement? There is no end to things that you can be overwhelmed with. If you've been a Christian for a while, you know what Philippians 4, 6 says. That don't be anxious about anything at all. How do you do that? It's easier said than done. 
And I've said this before, and there's obviously a physiological and a medical aspect to anxiety and depression. And if you're suffering with constant hopelessness, especially if you can't pinpoint the reason, then you need to seek a doctor for help. But many of the things that we worry about are circumstantial and a matter of control. And in those instances, we need to trust the one that is actually in control and have faith in that all-good Father. And you might be one of those where you feel like, well, giving up control is a bad thing. I don't want to put any extra on God. He's got enough to take care of. Y'all go help the people that need it, Lord. I got this, God. Don't worry about it. I'm not some lazy bum, God. I got this covered. I'll figure this out or I'll die trying. We aren't giving control over to some clown. God is an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-righteous God. It is a foolish mistake to not give your life and control over to God. God is not tired out by your worry. He doesn't get tired. He isn't overwhelmed. You are. You know what he says in 1 Peter 5, 7, to cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Someone did an illustration once called the God Box. Here it is right here. Beautiful, right? I made it myself. That is not true at all. I think John Farmer made it, right? Yeah. Hit him up if you need some. But see, when Christians are worried, we often think about giving our worries to God, right? Maybe even think about all these verses that we have on our mugs and on our pillows about casting our cares on Him so that we don't have to be anxious about anything. And in essence, what we do is we take those worries... And we give them to God. And we put them here in this God box, right? We take them and we, we pray about it and we say, God, I can't handle this anymore. I'm going to put my worry in there. Everything's going to be fine. God, I've got it covered. I gave it to you. He's my all good father. Those worries aren't mine anymore, God. They're yours. You're in control. I've done what I can do, and now it's up to you. And we put those worries in the God box, right? And then we wait about five seconds. And then we freak out, and we say, God, why didn't you fix this problem yet? I'll take care of this now. And I'll, I'll, I'll worry about it more, and I'll try and figure it out more, and I'll try and fix it. God, it's taking too long. I guess it's all on me because you're not doing anything. And we take back our burdens, even though God is prepared to carry them. So we carry them for a little bit longer. We get exhausted and we decide we'll obey and give God our worries again. Maybe for a little bit longer this time. God, I can't carry it anymore too tired. I know I gave it to you once and then took it back, but now I'm really tired out. Now I really don't know what to do. Maybe we pray a little bit longer. Maybe we even fast for a little while. Tell ourselves it'll be okay. 
And then a new development happens and we take that worry back out of the box and we think about it all the way through from the beginning about what we could have done different, about how things could have went a different way and why we had to do that thing that we did. There was no other choice. And we work through it all and as we obsess over it and as we pour over it, the God box worry gets even bigger. And now it's even harder to carry. And now we're exhausted and we're at the end of our rope and we say to God, God, I gave you this worry two times already. God, why haven't you taken care of it? I don't even know if I should try and do that anymore. It didn't work. And our burdens get heavier and heavier as we feed it our attention and we become obsessed with it. And now we're frustrated and snappy and depressed. But our Father, who is in heaven, is holy. He is all-powerful, and He has a kingdom that He is going to bring in His perfect timing and in His perfect control. He is God. I am not God. He will give me the bread that I need today. He's excited to take my burdens away from me. He doesn't need my help with it. So I'm going to give these worries to Him. And I'm going to stop taking them back. Now we need to do what we can do. You can't be like this student, right, that doesn't study at all and then prays two minutes before the test and then blame God that they got a zero percent on it. We do what we can do. We do what we know the Bible tells us to do. But at some point you have to give God the outcome. So when you pray... Start with praise. Remember who he is and then trust him with control. So we're going to take a little bit of time to practice that right now. You should have a little golf pencil there in front of you. If you don't, maybe ask somebody next to you. You should also at the end of the pews have some three by five cards. If you could help somebody by passing those down. Maybe if they run out in front of you, help them out there too. Don't bother writing your name or anything on there. This can be completely anonymous. But what I want you to do is I want you to write down your biggest worry. What is your biggest worry? The thing that has your attention more than anything else. Maybe it's a new development. Maybe it's something that you've been worried about for years. For most of us, I think it'd be pretty easy for us to come up with. And after you've done that, what I want you to do is to write underneath that worry and mean it as much as you can in this moment right now. That God, I praise you and I trust you and I give you control. God, I praise you, I trust you, and I give you control. We're going to play a little bit of music softly. And as we take these worries, these burdens, I want to 
take some time to cast them at Jesus' feet. My biggest worry, God, I praise you and I trust you and I give you control. We're going to take about six or eight minutes to pray. When you're ready, I want you to come and symbolically drop that in this God box here in the top. There's no magic to it, but there's a little bit of something special when we act out what we're doing in our hearts. As a commitment to God to not take it back. And the only way we can do that is by His power. Then later on in the week, don't bother writing your name on there. Later on in the week, this week, the staff will pray over these things with you. Well, let's take a minute right now and bow our heads and close our eyes. And pray over these worries. God, I praise you, I trust you, and I give you control.
we got a box here of the biggest things in every one of our lives. I don't have to look at it to know that there are some serious, heartbreaking worries in this. Real things, not just little things that we make up. And these things are going to come back five minutes after you start driving home. Symbolically, I want you to think about this moment of coming and walking to the front and dropping those worries and say, God, it's yours. It's going to come back. It's not over yet. But this is going to teach us to trust God. Remember to leave those worries in God's hands. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and we'll pray over these. But let's start with this first part of the Lord's Prayer. Y'all pray it along with me. Ready? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Dear Heavenly Father, over all these worries, God, I pray you give comfort and peace that passes all understanding. God, I pray you bring joy where there's anxiety and depression. I pray you bring healing and restoration over these big, heartbreaking things of finances, health, relationships. God, I pray you break through in your timing. And until then, I pray you help us to trust you. Help us to stop bearing things we were never meant to bear. Pray for every individual soul, God. Every individual person. And all their things that overwhelm them and, and cloud their eyes from you. And that you're in control that we can trust you and we're going to praise you right now where we're at no matter what. God, we love you. Help us to lean on you. Help us as we make this effort to give these things over to you, God. Give us the power to not take them back. In your name we pray.